From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Millions of Australians will need new driver's licences and passports after Optus's lax data management exposed the details of around 10 million Australians to a hacker. The Prime Minister says Optus should be footing the bill for new ID documents and has called the hack a wake-up call for corporate Australia. But why did Optus hold so much data on millions of Australians? And why wasn't it held more safely? Today, Associate Professor at the University of Melbourne, Toby Murray, on the state of data security in Australia and what we need to learn from the Optus hack. It's Thursday, September 29. First tonight, a major security breach impacting possibly millions of customers of one of the country's biggest telecommunications companies. Well, Optus today has revealed a major data attack on its systems, what amounts to a widespread breach of private information. Phone numbers, email addresses, dates of birth, even passport details. A cyber attack against telecommunications giant Optus has compromised the identities of more than 9 million Australians. Toby, one week ago now, we learned that there had been this large-scale cyber attack on Optus and that potentially millions of customers had had their information stolen. So let's go back to that time. Tell me about Optus's initial response. Yeah, so on Thursday, Optus reported that they had suffered a cyber attack and they issued a press release saying that they had shut down the attack and were starting to contact people who might have been affected. But at that stage, they weren't saying exactly how many. Fortunately, we became aware late yesterday that there was unusual activity that was a cyber attack. And unfortunately, some unknown actors have managed to access our customers' information. Emails from Optus, they started to land in people's inboxes uh, late on Friday, and then they kept trickling in to different people's inboxes over the course of the weekend. So the data that has been reported to have been stolen here includes things like people's names, dates of birth, their mobile phone numbers, their street address information, driver's license numbers or passport numbers, or as we've learned on Tuesday, Medicare card numbers also. And the reason why this is so concerning is because that data together allows an attacker, for instance, to target you for identity theft. So they may use that data to impersonate you and apply for a loan in your name. So I myself as an Optus customer, I got my email uh, around Saturday evening. Uh, My wife, she got hers on Saturday morning. That must have been an alarming email to get. Yeah, well, I sort of expected it was coming, but it certainly was alarming to realise that, yes, indeed, I was one of the people impacted by this breach. And in my case, that some uh, identity information, in particular uh, driver's licence number or passport number, had been exposed as a result of this breach. And so I immediately began to think, what should I be doing to protect myself? Okay, and so it wasn't long after that first announcement from Optus and these emails that the very first post on a message board appeared. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's right. So on Saturday, a post appeared on a message board. And this is on a site where people who have stolen data from companies then post messages trying to sell that data and to make money out of it. And so a post appeared from someone claiming to uh, possess information from the breach, uh, including details of 11.2 million Optus customers. And they posted 
two samples of the data, which included 100 records each, to prove the veracity of their claims. Okay, and I suppose the very first question that you have when a person turns up online claiming that they have access to all of this personal information is, are they legitimate? Did those data samples match the information of Optus customers? Yeah, you've got to prove that indeed what you're offering in this case really is legitimate. And it was important for these attackers to do that because they were asking for a million in US cryptocurrency from Optus to not reveal that data to others. Optus, if you are reading, price for us to not sale data is one million US dollars. We give you one week to decide. It's really interesting in this case, um, an information security journalist, Jeremy Kirk, uh, pretty quickly made contact via uh, the forum, I believe, with these purported attackers and was able to look at the data, trying to verify whether that data was indeed legitimate. And Jeremy found someone who lived down the road from him who was mentioned in that data and talked to them directly. There was a woman working in her front yard and I had printed out her data and said, is this your, explained to her what was going on and then said, is this your data? And she said, yes, that's my data. And so was very quickly able to determine that yes, indeed, this did look legitimate. So on Saturday, the AFP confirmed that it was aware of the report and is using its specialist capabilities to monitor the dark web, as it said, and other technologies and will not hesitate to take action against those who are breaking the law saying also that it is an offence to buy stolen credentials and those who do face a penalty of up to 10 years imprisonment. So by then, we knew this was a legitimate threat and indeed the AFP was taking it seriously. Right. Okay. So the federal police are looking into it, but how does Optus handle things at this point? Because they're dealing with what seems increasingly likely to be this very real attempt to to hold the company ransom, essentially, um, asking for for a million US dollars. So what's their response to to that attempt to extort money from them? So initially, the response from Optus here was a little bit patchy. Sally, you could be working for an Optus uh, company at a better time, couldn't you, really? Good morning, Chris. Thank you for having me on. That's okay. This is- on Monday the 26th, the Optus Director of Corporate Affairs, Regulatory and Public Affairs, Sally Ulrich gave an interview in which she struggled to explain what had happened or whether or not the person claiming to have the information was legitimate. We have not been approached for, obviously that's on the internet, but but no one's picked up the phone and called us, so to speak. Um, I I cannot actually validate whether that's even legitimate. And part of that is, part of that is, is... (laughs) You know, again, it's under investigation. Yeah, I understand that, but Jeremy... And indeed, if you look at how Optus has communicated with customers since this breach has occurred, in some cases it's taken them quite a while to communicate with customers. Uh, With different customers, they've explained that different kinds of data has been exposed, but without really explaining exactly what data has been exposed to customers. So in many cases, customers have been left to guess a little bit about precisely you know, whether it is your driver's license or whether it is your passport. And if it is your passport, was it the one from four years ago or was it the one that, you know, you got last year and therefore how should you respond? So I think in that case, Optus's response publicly here has certainly left some room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And all of this became a lot more important on Tuesday morning, didn't it? Because that's when we were told by this same person that they had actually released some of of the data. Can you tell me about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So on Tuesday morning, the uh, purported attackers posted another message online saying essentially that they were now going to release the personal information of 10,000 people in that data set in an effort to turn up the heat on Optus and force them to pay the ransom demand that they had issued a couple of days earlier. And they said that they would continue to release a further 10,000 each day uh, until Optus paid up. We'll be back in a moment. The City of London in Andrew Hagen's latest novel is crumbling. But don't mistake this for pessimism. Instead, the author insists it's a necessary process for a better future. Change doesn't just happen because it's time for a change. Change has to be forced. We live in the end not in countries that are settled places. They're just imagined communities. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's Read This, I sit down with Andrew O'Hagan to discuss his latest, Caledonian Road. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Ross, you broke the story this morning that the person who hacked the Optus customer base had taken down that database and apologised. Bizarrely, yesterday the hacker has apologised, deleted the post with the stolen data and withdrawn their ransom demand. We will not sell data to anyone. We can't if we even want to. Personally deleted data from Drive, only copy. Very sorry to you. Toby, after making good on initial threats to start releasing personal data, the Optus hackers seemingly changed their mind. So tell me what happened. So after posting the 10,000 records online on Tuesday, the attackers then followed up with a second message saying that actually they had decided to delete the data that they would not be releasing any further information and apologising to Optus and to the 10,000 individuals whose data they'd released. And as far as I can tell, this is in response to the federal police announcing that they've instigated an operation, including overseas counterparts, to move against these uh, attackers. So it seems that after having turned up the heat on Optus, the attackers have now decided that it's time to lay low in the hopes that they won't be caught for this breach. Right, so after all of that then, it seems like perhaps these Optus customers won't have their data sold online. I think that's far from clear. So I'm still concerned that my data may be exposed in future. There's no guarantee that these attackers really have deleted their copy of the data or that indeed they might not decide once the heat has died down to try to monetize this data in a way that's a little more quiet than the approach they took. This incident's a reminder of many things, one of which is how much of our information we are handing over to companies and we are entrusting to them. Data breaches are an almost daily occurrence. And so having handed our data to so many companies, it's almost inevitable that at some stage it's going to be breached. And this is certainly a very timely reminder of why we need better privacy regulation and better protection for consumers to help mitigate these risks in the future. Right. And so if that is the case, that these companies, they hold so much information and that that data breaches are common, inevitable even, why do these companies keep this level of information about customers on file? That's a really good question. So 
the reason that these telecommunications companies in particular collect so much information is because they're required to, by law, in particular under the data retention regime, they're required to collect identity information from people who sign up to their services and they're required to keep that information while the person is using the telecommunications service and to hold on to it for two years afterwards. And the reason why that legislation requires that kind of retention is so that that data can then be used by law enforcement for their investigations of crimes. And as we've seen in the case of Optus, very simple errors can be made in these web applications that these companies are developing that might allow the data to be stolen exactly as it has here. Okay, I mean, it's pretty clear, I think, that Optus was not doing a very good job of protecting this data, but it sounds like there is an argument to be made here that it isn't entirely their fault that something like this has happened, given that it's actually, they're they're being required to keep these vast amounts of data by the Australian government. Yeah, so I think we can place blame at a number of places for this particular incident and for why we might expect to see similar incidents again in the future. Looking at this particular incident, look, the primary blame has to rest with the attackers, but also with Optus itself. In this case, it was a simple vulnerability. This was not a sophisticated attack. And this kind of vulnerability that the attackers exploited is really inexcusable. It just shouldn't exist in these kinds of publicly facing systems. But we also need to look at what the regulatory landscape has created incentives that allow for this data or require for this data to be collected in the first place that mean that companies are not being held to account for when the data is breached. For instance, we've already seen the Minister for Home Affairs and Cybersecurity, Claire O'Neill, point out that had this breach occurred in Europe, that Optus would be liable for hundreds of millions of dollars whereas in Australia it's only maybe a couple of million that they're liable for. And so there aren't enough incentives in place in the current regulatory regime to actually place the onus on companies like Optus to make sure that their systems are secure and to therefore reduce the chances of these kinds of breaches occurring. And it seems like neither Optus or the government are really doing a lot at the moment that would actually help the people whose data has been taken, people like you. It seems like you're largely on your own trying to to work out what to do next. Unfortunately, that's largely true. For the 10,000 individuals who have had their data exposed publicly on Tuesday, I certainly hope that Optus will be offering them free credit monitoring because those individuals are very much at risk of having their identity stolen and therefore being used to apply for loans and similar in their name. While the responsibility has largely been left on individuals to help deal with this breach, we have seen reports earlier this week of potential class action lawsuits that may result from this breach. We haven't seen a strong history of class action lawsuits as a result of data breaches in Australia, so this would certainly be a watershed moment were that to occur. A successful class action here would not only allow affected consumers to band together to try to get some remediation and protection from this breach, but would put companies on notice that they may well indeed be financially liable for breaches that occur in the future. And ultimately, that would be a good thing for helping them to improve their cybersecurity practices and to protect their consumers. I think there's also room for a cultural change in 
companies in Australia as well, though. If you look at the US, for instance, when data breaches occur, it's standard practice for companies to offer free identity theft protection for consumers, including things like free credit monitoring, but also things like insurance customers can claim against if they suffer fraud or identity theft as a result of the breach or even services to help them reclaim back their identity in the event that it is stolen. With breaches in Australia at the moment, it is not commonplace for those kinds of services to be offered for free to customers. And we've started to see a change here with this particular breach with Optus. And I very much hope that this cultural change is something that will be accelerated by the current breach. Toby, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me, Ruby. This year, the Saturday paper celebrates 10 years as Australia's leading independent newspaper. In that time, it's built a peerless reputation for quality journalism, for telling stories that are ignored elsewhere. It's the essential account of the week in politics, culture and news. When you read the Saturday paper, you don't need to read anything else. Subscribe today from just $2.10 per week. Visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash subscribe. The Saturday Paper. The whole story. Also in the news today, Liberal leader Peter Dutton has announced his support for Labor's National Anti-Corruption Plan, which was introduced to Parliament on Wednesday, saying it had got the balance right. As the Greens and a number of independent MPs already back the bill, with the Coalition's support, it's likely to pass into law. And Hurricane Ian is expected to make landfall in Florida on Wednesday, and 2.5 million people have been issued evacuation orders. The Category 3 hurricane has already devastated Cuba, with two people reported dead and significant damage to buildings nationwide. The island nation experienced a total power blackout, leaving 11 million people in the dark. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.